I want to share some things uh, from A.W. Tozer. Now remember, he's the man that coined the phrase Fellowship of the Burning Hearts. So if there's that small flicker or flame in there, his desire is to fan that, uh, fan that flame so that you would certainly be among those that would be great for fellowship, encouragement, exhortation, things like that, that we do when we come together. Uh, This is something that he put out that he would hope would help. says, any Christian who desires to may at any time experience a radical spiritual renaissance, and this altogether independent of the attitude of his fellow Christians. So, you know, you can see where we're going. He's talking to those who desire, who have that flame, but he wants to give you some, oh, some helps, some tips to further that. And he says the, the most important question is how? Well, here are some suggestions that anyone can follow and which I'm convinced will result in a wonderful, improved Christian life. So that's what he's doing here. So the first one is get thoroughly dissatisfied with yourself. He says, complacency is the deadly enemy of spiritual progress. The contented soul is the stagnant soul. When speaking of earthly goods, Paul could say, I have learned to be content. But when referring to his spiritual life, he testified, I press on toward the mark. So stir up the gift of God that is in thee. So this is the wise elder statesman, elder Christian, who's giving us some tips. The second one is, set your face like a flint toward a sweeping transformation of your life. The call is great. He says, timid experiments are tagged for failure before they start. We must throw our whole soul into our desire for God. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Another tip, number three. Put yourself in the way of blessing. It is a mistake to look for grace to visit us as a kind of benign magic or to expect God's help to come as a windfall apart from conditions known and met. There are plainly marked paths which lead straight to the green pastures. Let us walk in them. To desire revival, for instance, and at the same time to neglect prayer devotion, is to wish one way and walk another. Number four, do a thorough job of repenting. You can tell these these are not easy, but is that desire in you to draw near to God? He says, do not hurry to get it over with. Hasty repentance means shallow spiritual experience and lack of certainty in the whole life. Let godly sorrow do her healing work. Until we allow the consciousness of sin to wound us, we will never develop a fear of evil. It is our wretched habit of tolerating sin that keeps us in our half-dead condition. 
Number five, make restitution wherever possible. If you owe a debt, pay it, or at least have a frank understanding with your creditor about your inherent in- intention to pay, so your honesty will be above question. If you have quarreled with anyone, go as far as you can in an effort to achieve reconciliation. As fully as possible, make the crooked things straight. Number six, bring your life into accord with the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount and such other New Testament scriptures as are designed to instruct us in the way of righteousness. An honest man with an open Bible and a pad and pencil is sure to find out what is wrong with him very quickly. I recommend that the self-examination be made on our knees, rising to obey God's commandments as they are revealed to us from the Word. There is nothing romantic or colorful about this plain, downright way of dealing with ourselves, but it gets the work done. Isaac's workmen did not look like heroic figures as they dug in the valley, but they got the wells open, and that was what they had set out to do. Number seven, be serious-minded. You can well afford to see fewer comedy shows on TV. Now, this was written in like 1948 or something. Unless you break away from the funny boys, every spiritual impression will continue to be lost to your heart, and that right in your own living room. The people of the world used to go to the movies to escape serious thinking about God and religion. You would not join them there, but you now enjoy spiritual communion with them in your own home. The devil's ideals, moral standards, and mental attitudes are being accepted by you without your knowing it. And you wonder why you can make no progress in your Christian life. Your interior climate is not favorable to the growth of spiritual graces. There must be permanent improvement in your interior life. And number eight, deliberately narrow your interests. The jack of all trades is the master of none. The Christian life requires that we be specialists. Too many projects use up time and energy without bringing us nearer to God. If you will narrow your interests, God will enlarge your heart. Jesus only means to the unconverted man to be the motto of death, but a great company of happy men and women can testify that it became to them a way into the world infinitely wider and richer than anything they had ever known before. Christ is the essence of all wisdom, beauty, and virtue. To know him in growing intimacy is to increase in appreciation of all things good and beautiful. The mansions of the heart will become larger when their doors are thrown open to Christ and closed against the world and sin. Try it. Number nine, begin to witness. Find something to do for God and your fellow men. Refuse to rust out. Make yourself available to your pastor and do anything you are asked to do. Do not insist upon a place of leadership. Learn to obey. 
take the low place until such time as God sees fit to set you in a higher one. Back your new intentions with your money and your gifts, such as they are. And number 10, have faith in God. Begin to expect. Look up toward the throne where your advocate is at God's right hand. All heaven is on your side. God will not disappoint you. If you will follow these suggestions, you will most surely experience revival in your own heart. And who can tell how far it may spread? God knows how desperately the church needs a spiritual resurrection. And it can only come through the revived individual. And then E.M. Bounds said to be somebody for God. The men and women who have most fully illustrated Christ in their character and have most powerfully affected the world for him have been those who have spent so much time with him as to make it a notable feature of their lives. Over a period of time, they come to the place where they become like him and consequently they reflect his glory. To be little with God is to be little for God. To be much with God is to be much for God. Those are the tips that our brother leaves for us, for anybody who's thirsty and hungry for more of God. Kind of reminds me of Second Peter chapter 1, where he talks about add to your uh, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to vir- virtue knowledge. It kind of follows a lot of that because of the promises that are given in those verses. There's a life out there. I remember as a Catholic in the seminary, and there were times when I thought during the sermon I was going to stand up and say something and get kicked out real quick, but somebody had quoted, he says, it's not that Christianity has been tried and found wanting, it hasn't been tried. Uh, Theologically, that's not real good, but you can tell that if if we don't grasp what God has for us as true believers and raise the standard to where it should be and see how low we are according to that standard will we will the will the world ever see that glory reflected in us we have a job to do we have a calling we have a service to do and we must die to ourselves and we must do it So, Lord, it is you that must help us to come to this place where where we serve you, where we reflect you, where we honor you with our lives. Lord, at one point, we gave our lives to you. We committed ourselves to you. So, Lord, where are we now? But we call on you and your spirit to help us. Bring us to the place where you have us and where you would be honored with our lives, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope there was a lot of that that struck you. And thanks, Brother Jim, for sharing that this morning. Um, to know him in increasing intimacy, a, a, a little phrase that, that, that just caught me as, as he was reading there. I, I pray that's every born-again believer's desire to know him more 
Because the, the Apostle Paul, he looked back, you know, as we're going through Romans, well, what did you get from those things that you did back then in which now you are ashamed? Don't you know the Apostle Paul looked back and, and all those things that he did that, that thought were so important that, that he thought he was doing the right thing? In Philippians 3, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, which the law can never save anybody, but our righteousness is in Christ, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. I pray that's our desire, to know Him, to know Him more. Let's see.